0: The truth is going to come out. And the only question is, do you want to hear it now?
1: No. Hey, I could be a Republican U.S. Senator. <laughs> well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling there's something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs to
2: the left me to the right here I am yes, I'm stuck in the
1: middle here I am stuck in From Pacifica with you. Radio in Los Angeles this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA also in Red Bluff and Redding California on KFOI Round Mountains KKRN and Eureka's KGOE in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR, New Orleans, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, In Seattle on KODX. In Janesville, Wisconsin on WADR. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for you. On the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, all fine affiliates giving you more actual information news and facts in oh about 30 minutes then you will find on fox news in 24 hours blanketing planet earth five days a week i'm brad friedman your friendly investigative blogger journalist troublemaker muckraker all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com thank you very much for joining us today Uh, Well, we have had a a lot of uh, pretty grim news of late as the Senate impeachment trial against Donald John Trump continues to highlight how the president of the United States abused his powers as president to withhold hundreds of millions of dollars in taxpayer money assistance to a foreign nation in order to pressure that foreign nation to interfere in our 2020 election on his behalf. That news has been made grimmer still by the fact that, at least so far, the entirety of the Republican caucus in what is supposedly the world's most deliberative body has blocked actual firsthand evidence in the form of documents and witnesses, both being withheld by the White House, from being introduced in what is supposed to be a fair trial in the U.S. Senate. We will pick up on that dark ongoing historic event, only the third presidential impeachment in our nation's history, though the first that would feature no actual witnesses uh, in a moment. But just to lighten things up today, uh, we have this. Scientists warned on Thursday that Earth is inching closer to disaster. (laughs) Oh, goody. I knew that would cheer you right up, Desi Doyen. Oh, oh, man. Is that a new uh, hood and sickle you've got over there? (laughs) The Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists moved the hands of its symbolic doomsday clock closer to midnight on Thursday, indicating that the likeliness of a human-caused apocalypse has increased since just last year. Okay. So maybe that's not quite as light as I had originally presented it, I realize, but you know, we are living in a post-fact world these days, we are told. So I can say whatever I want, no matter how absolutely false it may be. Sadly, in this case, the warning from the world scientists is not false. I wish that it were. The bulletin adjusted the doomsday clock to reflect looming threats from nuclear weapons and accelerating global warming. The clock is now set at 100 seconds to midnight. That is the closest it has ever been to symbolic doom and the first time within the long history of the infamous doomsday clock that the hands have been within the two minute mark. This landmark suggests the threat of human-caused apocalypse is now even higher than it was during the height of the Cold War. Are you paying attention yet? We are now expressing how close the world is to catastrophe in seconds, not hours or even minutes, said Rachel Bronson, the bulletin's president and CEO, in a statement. We now face a true emergency She said, an absolutely unacceptable state of world affairs that has eliminated any margin for error or further delay. Robert Rossner, the chair of the bulletins Science and Security Board, called the adjustment, quote, very bad news. Oh, you don't say, Bob. Adding that nuclear insecurity and climate change have created, quote, an enduring and disturbing reality. We have normalized a very dangerous world in terms of the risks of nuclear warfare and climate change. Said Rossner. I should note here that uh, just over two weeks ago, because uh, you'd be forgiven if you have forgotten by now, the entire world was on pins and needles over the potential outbreak of World War Three in the Middle East after our president unlawfully ordered the assassination of Iran's top military general and second most powerful figure in the in the country. That was just two weeks ago. Assassinating uh, Qasem Soleimani is the rough uh, equivalent of what it might have been had Iran assassinated General Joe Dunford, the Joint Chiefs of Staff secretary and the nation's highest ranking military officer. Or, if you prefer, had Iran uh, assassinated Vice President Mike Pence or CIA Director Gina Haspel because Iran Soleimani had filled many of those equivalent roles in Iran. Imagine if they had done that. What would we have done? Now, thankfully, Iran backed down uh, with a uh, muted response to Trump's apparent war crime. At least they have for now. But the danger of an additional response continues to underpin this moment as we barrel towards our 2020 presidential elections with Iran, by the way. Having a top-notch cyber offensive team who, as I reported with uh, evidence some years ago, uh, has demonstrated a keen interest in our computerized elections here in this country. Now, the bulletin uh, placed much of the blame on world leaders who have eroded international arms agreements. Well, that would be uh, both Donald Trump and Russia's Vladimir Putin and uh, both denigrated and denied the science of global warming. That would also be the U.S. President Donald Trump. Former U.N. Secretary General Ban Ki-moon urged countries to heed the, quote, clear and present dangers posed by nuclear arsenals. He also warned that urgent action on climate change is critical and praised the efforts of youth-led protests sparked by the teenage activist Greta Thunberg. He said, we must see an immediate end to the, invest, to the investment in and exploration of fossil fuels. We must heed the demands of the young people on our streets and listen to the science we cannot negotiate with nature. And we will have uh, more on that futile negotiation with uh, nature uh, a little bit later with Desi Doyen and her latest Green News report. (laughs) Yes. As both uh, Greta and Trump offered remarks this week at the World Economic Conference in Davos, Switzerland. Uh, But the last time the Doomsday Clock's uh, minute hand was moved was actually in 2018 when the Bulletin, which is a nonprofit organization that oversees the Doomsday Clock, had set the uh, clock at two minutes to midnight. At the time, that was the closest humanity had inched to symbolic doom since 1953 during the height of the Cold War. The organization kept the two minutes to midnight setting in 2019. It did not change, citing what they called, quote, multiple existential threats, including cyber attacks, nuclear arms races and ongoing climate change. Now, normally with an announcement like this, we would turn today to our friend Stephen Schwartz, who for many years, uh, as an atomic weapons uh, analyst, was the publisher himself of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, which sets the doomsday clock, first established in 1947. But as we are actually seemingly almost at doomsday of late, we, we don't even have time to do so. We don't have time to st- uh, talk to Schwartz, though I will say he did tell us last time we spoke with him on this show some months ago, I think that was as Russia had announced that it had expanded its nuclear arsenal after Trump had withdrawn from a key anti-nuclear pact struck with uh, the USSR under Ronald Reagan. Uh, Schwartz said that he would not be surprised if, in fact, the clock was moved closer to midnight at this year's annual assessment. And it looks like his uh, prophetic prediction has now, in fact, come to pass. So once again, you heard it here first on the broadcast. You're welcome. You almost certainly didn't hear it on Fox News months ago. Then again, you do not hear much that has to do with actual facts and truths at all. And and what's actually going on in your world on Fox News, which coincidentally is where the president of the United States now gets almost all of his quote unquote news. Sadly, even during uh, only the third historic presidential impeachment trial in the history of the nation, if you are watching Fox News, you are actually not seeing most of the trial. As we noted yesterday on the broadcast, when we uh, reported that uh, while CNN and MSNBC were, in fact, running gabble-to-gabble coverage, Fox News was breaking away for commercials all day and then replaced their coverage with their regular uh, afternoon and primetime shows, showing a little box in the corner of the screen with the trial's manager giving their case, but with no sound, so it was meaningless. AP confirms that reporting now today. They say CNN and MSNBC carried the trial in full. Fox News Channel, after showing Congressman Adam Schiff speak for about a half hour, interrupted for a story about a child support case involving former Vice President Joe Biden's son Hunter, and then never returned. a half hour. Mind you, uh, I think it was about eight hours of testimony that actually occurred on uh, on when on uh, yeah, on on Wednesday in the impeachment trial. After pulling away from the House managers Wednesday, Fox News personalities then spent much of their time ridiculing the proceedings. Fox mostly kept a postage stamp sized picture of the speaker soundlessly mouthing words in a corner of the screen with an invitation for viewers to go online if they wanted to hear the arguments. But of course, in doing so, they can Fox News can and will say we covered the impeachment trial gavel to gavel on this network. Fox's uh, Tucker Carlson, he ran clips of TV commentators on other networks, uh, personalities who who uh, praised Schiff's afternoon speech that instead of actually showing the speech, uh, he called those comments by the other commenters, uh, commentators as, quote, pornographic. He said Trump wasn't the only victim of the impeachment trial that suggesting that viewers were also victims of the trial. He brought on former Republican congressman. To talk about alleged crimes in the Obama administration and uh, Texas Republican Congressman John Ratcliffe, who lied on behalf of the president during the House impeachment inquiry. You may remember him. He was brought in to assess the trial in the Senate instead of actually, you know, showing the trial in the Senate. Ratcliffe said today was really boring and the president's defense team is very happy. Carlson also interviewed uh, Republican Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri with the host saying that Hawley had stepped out of the trial to talk on television and criticize House managers. Mind you, that is against Senate rules. Senators are supposed to sit in their seats and watch the presentation made by both sides, not go on Fox News and lie about it while the presentation is going on.
2: It's fascinating that Chief Justice Roberts is not actually enforcing any of those rules that they're supposed to be there throughout the trial.
1: Similarly, Fox's uh, Sean Hannity then labeled the impeachment trial the, quote, schumer schiff sham show." <laughs> God, this country is being run by seven-year-olds at this point. Uh, He also went on to attack Schiff for his afternoon speech, saying he is a lunatic. If you watched him talk, he was totally unhinged. He looked like a lunatic who has lost his mind. Now, I don't know about you, but I watched quite a lot of the proceedings over the past several days. Pretty much gabble to gabble, unless I've actually been doing this program. And Schiff, uh, who offered a detailed, measured granular case full of well-supported and documented evidence looked nothing like a lunatic who has lost his mind, as Hannity claimed. On the first day of opening arguments for the Democratic House managers on Wednesday, Schiff unspooled the chronology and extraordinary detail of how Trump used the levers of government to pressure Ukraine into announcing an investigation of his political rival Joe Biden in violation of the law and in violation of our national uh, foreign policy, all at the expense of national security in hopes of cheating in the 2020 election. But if you were watching Fox, you wouldn't have seen that. They didn't show it to you. So I suspect that lie from Hannity is far easier to believe that there was some raving lunatic representing the the Democrats in this trial. Wrapping up his uh, evening argument, a half hour later, Schiff also used the word sham AP notes in his presentation. But in a very different context, it was a description for Trump's attempts to get Ukraine to investigate the activities of Hunter Biden. That was not heard on Fox. However, at the time, Hannity was interviewing lawyer Alan Dershowitz, a member of Trump's impeachment defense team. So if you wonder still why your MAGA-loving uncle who watches Fox News all day and claims that he watched the entire impeachment trial... Why it is that he still thinks that Trump broke no laws, that he did nothing wrong, that he is being impeached for nothing. He did not abuse power. He did not obstruct Congress. Well, to quote both House Manager Hakeem Jeffries and the notorious B.I.G., if you didn't know, now you know. The cult of Trump will remain sacrosanct and well protected from actual facts and news over on Fox, even During the president's actual impeachment trial. Not so, however, on this program, of course, President Trump's decision to strong arm Ukraine into becoming a domestic political ally for the 2020 election is just the latest example of a pattern of soliciting foreign help, according to Adam Schiff. He argued that in the opening statement in the Senate impeachment trial, Schiff's argument tied Trump's alleged misconduct around soliciting foreign help in the 2020 election back to 2016 and the resulting investigation of special counsel Robert Mueller into Russian interference into that election. The argument transforms the allegation that Trump pressured Ukraine for dirt on Democratic candidate Joe Biden into a broad pattern of alleged misconduct, and it turns the impeachment trial away from an effort to punish Trump for one isolated wrong and toward a push to remove him for repeated misdeeds, which underscores the reason why the Democrats felt they needed to hurry this thing, because if you haven't noticed, voting in the 2020 election actually begins Where are we? Uh, Just over a week from today. To that end, Shift played the the infamous clip of then-candidate Trump uh, asking Russia to hack Hillary Clinton's email server back during the 2016 election. Immediately after that, Shift played footage of Trump's own National Security Council aide and top Russia expert Fiona Hill's testimony Before the House impeachment inquiry in which she said that Russia attacked American democracy by interfering in the 2016 election. Again, that is Donald Trump's own Russian expert. And that Russia did so specifically after Trump had given his infamous Russia. If you're listening, comments. Schiff said that the House decided to open an impeachment inquiry into Trump with the knowledge that this was not the first time the president solicited foreign interference into our elections. Candidates Trump implored Russia to hack opponents' emails, uh, email accounts, Schiff said, something that the Russian military intelligence agency did only hours later, he explained. The L.A. Democrat linked Trump's 2016 statement to an October 2019 pronouncement that the president made on the White House lawn in front of a small army of reporters in which he called for China to investigate the Bidens. So in 2016, he called for Russia to investigate his opponent, Hillary Clinton. In 2019, he called on Ukraine and China to investigate his uh, presumed opponent, Joe Biden. Schiff said the president has made clear uh, this was not going to be the last time that the president used this tactic to try to win an election. He referenced a recent allegedly Russian state-sponsored hack on the Ukrainian energy company Burisma, the focus of uh, one strain of the allegations against the Bidens that has been pushed by Trump. Schiff said President Trump has made it abundantly clear that he would like nothing more than to make use of such dirt against Mr. Biden, just as he made use of Secretary Clinton's hacked and released emails in his previous presidential campaign. One other uh, related conspiracy theory, which uh, Trump brought up to Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky during their infamous July 25 phone call, focuses on CrowdStrike. That's the DNC, uh, the firm that was hired by the DNC to investigate the alleged Russian intrusion, cyber intrusion from 2016 when their emails were hacked and released. Trump pushed Zelensky on that phone call to investigate that matter, the CrowdStrike matter, claiming that it was Ukraine who was behind whatever happened in 2016. Schiff referred to that, of course, as a fabrication, which Fiona Hill, again, Donald Trump's own Russia expert, Uh, had testified to in the House as a completely false piece of Kremlin-generated propaganda. Schiff went on to accuse Trump by these examples of using and abusing the vast powers at his disposal to seek advantage in the next election and of having, quote, undermined our free and fair elections and compromised our national security. It was on the uh, constitutional and legal underpinnings of Abuse of power, in fact, uh, the first of two articles of impeachment against Trump that the Democrats picked up their argument on Thursday. But before we get there, how is uh, this all playing with the President Cuckoo Pants, mm-hmm. who has been overseas at the economic conference in Davos? Well, President Trump... On Thursday, set a new personal record with the most posts to his Twitter feed in any single day ever. Uh, He had been quiet for a couple couple of days before that while he was in Davos, but he tweeted or retweeted 140 posts about a litany of topics from the impeachment trial to immigration to attacks on uh, his favorite nemesis, Adam Schiff. The majority of the tweets were posted during the span of time that he was en route back from Davos, Switzerland. Long plane ride, idle hands, devil's playground, I guess. Uh, TPM had speculated previously that Trump had been biting his tongue about impeachment proceedings because he did not want to criticize a process that will ultimately, at least probably, acquit him. But after the tweet rampage uh, he posted today about the impeachment trial, Uh, it appears that the distraction of the conference was the only thing actually keeping him quiet. He has now left that conference. We can expect to hear much more from him. But uh, he was uh, fired tweet after tweet off today saying things like the Democrat House would not give us lawyers. Or not one witness, but mean now
2: lying. I'm sorry. I just have to yes, step in, and he's you. lying yeah. about all this. Oh, stuff. I was getting to
1: the lying part. I know, but I knew, that's but all right.
2: it's all lying. Uh,
1: yeah, uh, he said uh, uh, we, we, they, that the uh, Democratic House lawyers, uh, Democratic House, would not give us lawyers or one witness, but now demand that Republican Senate produce the witnesses that the House never sought or even asked for. They had their chance but pretended to rush most unfair and corrupt hearing in congressional history. Now, of course, uh, there was a bunch of lies in that tweet. As you say, Desi Doyen, the House Democrats had, in fact, invited White House lawyers to participate in the Judiciary Committee's impeachment hearing. They had issued, in fact, several subpoenas to the Trump administration officials That Trump is claiming were never sought. Uh, Democrats, in fact, did seek subpoenas again in the uh, Senate trial as well. However, GOP senators have voted in a block against allowing witnesses and documents in the quote unquote trial for the first time in American history. Trump, a few minutes later, then tweeted, No matter what you give to the radical left, do-nothing Democrats, it will never be enough, followed up by the Democrats and Shifty Schiff, whose presentation to the Senate was loaded with lies and misrepresentations, (laughs) are refusing to state that the Obama administration withheld aid from many countries, including Ukraine, Pakistan, Philippines, Egypt, Honduras, and Mexico. Witch hunt, he said. Now, in fact... After the White House defense team uh, had raised the matter in an earlier false claim of theirs, as it regarded some 500 million dollars that President Obama, that's right, President Obama had, in fact, withheld from Egypt, and you know, as if they were uh, Democrats were, were not telling that uh, Obama and other presidents have done this all the time. Well, after that claim, lead House manager Schiff pointed out that yes, that was true. Obama had withheld $500 million from Egypt, in fact, and it was congressionally allocated aid just like the money to Ukraine. But the reason he did so is because after it was appropriated by Congress and before it was sent to Egypt, the country had a military revolution. There was a coup there. And Congress actually came to the president and asked Obama to hold off on transferring that money until the country had stabilized and they could figure out who was actually, you know, running it before they sent uh, a half a billion dollars in taxpayer money to Egypt. For some reason, Donald Trump and his defenders forget to mention stuff like that. In fact, as the uh, Government Accountability Office, the GAO, announced uh, earlier this week, I think it was this week, was it this week or last week? I think it was this week. Recently, the GAO announced that the, uh, the Trump administration violated the Impoundment Control Act by not sending the appropriated military assistance to Ukraine without notifying Congress. He could have put a hold on that money. All he would have had to do is explain to Congress why he was doing that. Instead, they made up false claims repeatedly uh, in their bookkeeping notes. They didn't tell anyone, but they made uh, false notes uh, as, as to why they were not sending the money. It is uh, many of those notes, those documents that are still being held at the Office of Management Management and Budget, the OMB, and over at the Pentagon explaining what actually happened as the president personally sought to put a hold on these funds, it are it is those documents that the Senate Republicans have voted to not allow to be subpoenaed for evidence in this quote unquote trial. Which, if it was all clean, if these documents would uh, exculpate the president, you would think they would want those documents. But for some reason, they don't. And they're blocking them. The White House is blocking them. And their apparatchik in the uh, Republican Senate is blocking that information as well. Ironically, or perhaps just dishonestly, without that new evidence, Republicans are now complaining that they are learning nothing new from the Democrats' presentation of the case against uh, Trump in this trial. Republican senators are complaining about this. Roy Blunt, senator from Missouri, complained of being told, quote, the same story over and over again. Blunt echoed other Republicans and complaining that there was nothing new. Senator John Barrasso, the uh, Republican from Wyoming, said, well, we've just come out of six hours of testimony so far today and I didn't hear anything new at all. But Barrasso not only lacked an opportunity to hear anything new in the case, he actually assisted in making sure that that would be the case by voting against the documents and the witness subpoenas. They voted late into the night until 2 a.m. to vote on Tuesday to to prevent uh, actually Wednesday morning to prevent these uh, uh, subpoenas for documents and testimony from being issued even amid widespread suggestion that there remains uh, a lot of still hidden evidence in the case. Republicans prevented any of that evidence from being seen, at least so far. But it's far easier to act as if the story being told by impeachment managers was old news, I guess, than it would be to, you know, look at that new and relevant evidence. Senator, uh, Senator Ted Cruz, for example, uh, said that, uh, that the Democrats are having a fit, that uh, we're, And that we're going to see an awful lot of repetition of the same points over and over again. And then Biden went on to uh, uh, I'm sorry, then Cruz went on to say it's, quote, critical for Hunter Biden to testify in this case.
2: Hunter Biden, who has nothing relevant to add to the case
1: that we know of. And by the way, there was a whole bunch of amendments when they opened the rules to this thing on Tuesday. And the Republicans did not call for Hunter Biden to be t- uh, to be subpoenaed to testify here. Now there's been talk of a trade that uh, some ha- Republicans are suggesting, uh, suggesting that um, we will uh, have a trade if we'll let you uh, listen, we'll let you subpoena National Security Advisor John Bolton as long as you let us have Hunter Biden. Democrats have rejected that idea, noting that Republicans have the majority power; they can call whoever they like to testify, including Hunter Biden. They do not need Democrats entering into any such deal. Instead. The Democrats have been using their opening arguments quite cleverly to both tell the story of what we know in granular detail and what we do not know, thanks to the Republicans withholding of key documents and witnesses. For example, in explaining how Trump had wanted only the announcement of an investigation into the Bidens from Ukraine. He didn't need an actual invest, uh, announce, uh, investigation. He just wanted the announcement so he could use it in his campaign commercials. In explaining this, Schiff detailed how a call uh, explaining that between Trump's own ambassador to the EU, Gordon Sondland, a $1 million contributor, by the way, to Trump's campaign, that's how he got the job, A phone call between Sondland and Trump's own ambassador to Ukraine, Bill Taylor, played out.
0: Ambassador Taylor testified that his contemporaneous notes of the call reflect that Sondland used the phrase public box to describe President Trump's desire to ensure that the initiation of his desired investigations was announced publicly. A private commitment was not good enough. The State Department has Ambassador Taylor's extensive notes and, of course, we would like to show them to you to corroborate his testimony. But pursuant to the president's instructions, the State Department will not turn them over. In any courtroom in America holding a fair trial, you would want to see contemporaneous notes. This Senate should be no different. Demand those notes. Demand to see the truth. We're not afraid of those notes. We haven't seen them. We haven't seen them. Maybe those notes say something completely different. Maybe those notes say no quid pro quo. Maybe those notes say it's a perfect call. I'd like to see them. I'm willing to trust Ambassador Taylor's testimony and his recollection. I'd like to see them. I'd like to show them to you. They're yours for the asking.
1: Yeah, but they're not asking. Later, Schiff, uh, who is a former federal prosecutor out here in Los Angeles, explained how Trump's top Russia expert at the time on his uh, National Security Council, that would be Tim Morrison, characterized a phone conversation with Ambassador Sondland just after Sondland got off a call with Donald Trump, in which Trump claimed there was no quid pro quo with Ukraine. They took notes on that call. Republicans, however, have voted to prevent those notes from being heard. So while Schiff told the story of those notes and what is probably in them, he said, sorry, I'd love to see them, but we can't because you won't allow us. And it's not just documents that would be helpful here. So would first-person eyewitness testimony from guys like Trump's former national security advisor, John Bolton, who says he is willing to testify if subpoenaed and that he has relevant information to these proceedings that has not yet been made public. Before Bolton left Kiev, Ambassador
0: Taylor asked for a private meeting. Ambassador Taylor explained that he was extremely concerned about the hold on security assistance. Now, in the State Department, sending a first-person cable is an extraordinary step. As Ambassador Taylor testified at his deposition, sending a first-person cable gets attention. And in fact, in his decades of service in the diplomatic corps, he had never written a single one until now. Would you like me to read that to you right now? I would like to read it to you right now, except I don't have it, because the State Department wouldn't provide it. But if you'd like me to read it to you, we can do something about that. We can insist on getting that from the State Department. If you'd like to know what John Bolton had in mind when he thought that Zelensky could favorably impress the president in Warsaw, we can find that out, too. Just for the asking, and a document called a subpoena.
1: It uh, it wasn't only Schiff, by the way, as lead impeachment manager, who was making that uh, pretty clever argument uh, throughout the day on Wednesday. So were others. Here's Zoe Lofgren, uh, Congresswoman, also from California, making a similar case.
3: White House lawyers reportedly gathered and reviewed hundreds of documents that reveal extensive efforts to generate an after-the-fact justification for the hold on military assistance for Ukraine that had been ordered by the President. You should be able to see these documents, but the White House has withheld them from Congress. So the House can't verify the news report, but you could. You, you, you could do that if you could see these documents. You should subpoena them. And there is no reason not to see all the relevant documents.
1: Well, there is a reason. They don't want to see the relevant documents. So, uh, yeah, very sad. The Republicans are complaining on Fox News where they're running their uh, to make their complaints, uh, but, you know, Fox News is not actually running this presentation from Schiff and Lofgren and others. They're complaining that they're not hearing anything new in this trial for some odd reason. Fox News viewers are not even hearing Schiff's argument to that end. Nice sham if you can get it. And the corrupt Republicans in Congress and the corrupt White House and the corrupt president of the United States are all getting it while complaining that the Democrats are offering a sham.
0: The truth is going to come out. Indeed, the truth has already come out, but more and more of it will. More emails are going to come out. More witnesses are going to come forward. They're going to have more relevant information to share. And the only question is, do you want to hear it now? Do You want to know the full truth now? Do you want to know just who was in the loop? Sounds like everyone was in the loop. You want to know how broad this scheme was? We have the evidence to prove that President Trump ordered the aid withheld. He did so to coerce Ukraine to help his reelection campaign. He withheld a White House meeting to coerce the same sham investigations. We can and will prove President Trump guilty of this conduct and of obstructing the investigation into his misconduct. But you and the American people should know who else was involved in this scheme. You should want the whole truth to come out.
1: Of course, wanting the whole truth to come out is decidedly not what these Republican senators want. And for good reason, as Greg Sargent argues over at The Washington Post today, he argues that, you know, if this info that the GOP has made a calculation here that, yes, this is damaging information. Yes, it is almost certainly going to come out in various forms no matter what, but that it is more damaging if it comes out before a vote for acquittal. Than it would be if it comes out after, if it comes out before, then these people uh, may have absolutely, you know, no way to uh, vote for the acquittal of this president when it becomes so obvious. When a guy like you know John Bolton, his former uh, national security advisor, comes in and testifies that everything presented by the Democrats is true, and it, that it is even worse than currently known. That would make a a vote very difficult for acquittal after testimony like that. So they know it is bad, but they're making the political calculation that it will be worse if the information comes out before our vote than it will afterwards. And we will deal with it afterwards when we have to. Yes, in the middle of the 2020 election. That's the calculation they're making. Because the only thing that is worse than what is already known is what could become known if they allow these documents and these witnesses to testify. Quick break and we're back with more of our ongoing special coverage of the impeachment trial of Donald John Trump right after this on the broadcast, I'm Brad Friedman. Oh, it do. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. On Thursday, the Democratic House managers continued with their opening arguments, day two of their opening arguments, which could also be their closing arguments. If the vote next week for... Witnesses and documents is once again blocked by Republicans, as it was on Tuesday this past week. Today's, today's presentation focused on the legal and constitutional underpinnings of the first article of impeachment on Donald Trump's abuse of power in his scheme to withhold military assistance from Ukraine in order to get their help to cheat on his 2020 re-election chances by forcing them to announce an investigation of Joe Biden. Congressman uh, Gerald Nadler uh, took the lead in the presentation on Thursday morning, uh, arguing that Trump's conduct was unlawful and uh, the worst ever charged against a president. He says that no president has ever used his office to help him cheat in our elections. He explained that Trump supporters are claiming that even though all of this is true, even if it were, he still can't be impeached for it. He called that a terrifying idea, which means the president can use his power to commit crimes and cover them up with impunity and that he can never be indicted nor impeached for them.
3: The articles of impeachment against President Trump rank among the most serious charges ever brought against the president. The articles are overwhelmingly supported by the evidence amassed by the House. Notwithstanding the president's complete stonewalling, his attempt to block all witnesses and all documents from the United States Congress. The president's conduct is wrong. It is illegal. It is dangerous. And it captures the worst fears of our founders and the framers of the Constitution. Since President George Washington took office in 1789, no president has abused his power in this way. Let me say that again. No president has ever used his office to compel a foreign nation to help him cheat in our elections. Prior presidents would be shocked to the core by such conduct, and rightly so. Now, because President Trump has largely failed to convince the country that his conduct was remotely acceptable, he has adopted a fallback position. He argues that even if we disapprove of his misconduct, we cannot remove him for it. Frankly, that argument is itself terrifying. It confirms that this president sees no limits on his power or on his ability to use his public office for private gain. And of course, the president also believes that he can use his power to cover up his crimes. That leads me to the second article of impeachment, which charges that the president categorically, indiscriminately, and unlawfully obstructed our inquiry, the Congressional inquiry into his conduct. This presidential stonewalling of Congress is unprecedented in the 238 year history of our Constitutional Republic. It puts even President Nixon to shame. Taken together, the articles and the evidence conclusively establish that President Trump has placed his own personal political interests first. He has placed them above our national security, above our free and fair elections, and above our system of checks and balances. This conduct is not America first. It is Donald Trump first. Donald Trump swore an oath to faithfully execute the laws. That means putting the nation's interests above his own. And the president has repeatedly, flagrantly violated his oath. Thus far, We have presented the core factual narrative. None of that record can be seriously disputed, and none of it will be disputed. We can predict what the president's lawyers will say in the next few days. I urge you senators to listen to it carefully. You will hear accusations and name calling. You will hear complaints about the process in the House and the motives of the managers. You will hear that this all comes down to a phone call that was perfect, as if you had not just seen evidence of a months-long government-wide effort to extort a foreign government. But you will not hear a refutation of the evidence. You will not hear testimony to refute the testimony you have seen. Indeed, if the president had any exculpatory witnesses, even a single one, he would be demanding their appearance here instead of urging you not to permit additional witnesses to testify. Article 1 thus charges a high crime and misdemeanor that blends abuse of power, betrayal of the nation, and corruption in elections into a single unforgivable scheme. That is why this president must be removed from office, especially before he continues his effort to corrupt our next election.
1: Congressman Nadler went on to explain what he described as the uh, history of impeachment, as understood by the founders and the ABCs, of constitutional impeachment power that would be abc abuse betrayal corruption a trifecta that he charges donald john trump has easily violated in his own abuse of power and obstruction of congress articles of impeachment he detailed how yes abuse of power is indeed an impeachable offense including the clip we played just a few days ago on this program from donald trump's own impeachment defense attorney alan dershowitz Back in 1998, arguing that a statutory crime is not needed as the basis for an article of impeachment.
3: It certainly doesn't have to be a crime. If you have somebody who completely corrupts the office of president and who abuses trust and who poses great danger to our liberty, you don't need a technical crime. Mm -hmm. Huh.
1: Interesting. Oddly enough, Dershowitz, for some reason, is now arguing the complete opposite that this president, even if these charges are true, cannot be impeached because there was no statutory crime. That also ignores the fact that there was a statutory crime. The uh, General uh, the Government Accountability Office finding that uh, Trump violated the Impoundment Control Act. But nonetheless, for some reason, good old Dirsch is seeing things differently now than he was back in 1998 when it was Democrat Bill Clinton who was being impeached. There was also another key player uh, here with a very different opinion about what constitutes high crimes and misdemeanors back during the Clinton impeachment trial. That would include the Congressman Lindsey Graham, who, before he became Senator Lindsey Graham and one of the Donald Trump's greatest defenders and, by the way, a juror sitting there watching all of this, including watching Nadler cite him, Uh, He had declared uh, before this trial, Graham did, that he had no interest in being an impartial juror as a senator, despite the Constitution's requirement that he serve as such. Well, back in 1999, actually, 21 years ago this month, Lindsey Graham, then Congressman Graham, then House Manager Graham, Actually, making the uh, argument for Bill Clinton's removal from office, he offered a very different argument about whether a statutory crime actually needs to be committed in order for a president to be impeached for high crimes and misdemeanors.
0: What's a high crime? How about if an important person hurts somebody of low means? It's not very scholarly. But I think it's a truth. I think that's what they meant by high crimes. Doesn't even have to be a crime. It's just when you start
2: using your office and
0: you're acting in a way that hurts people,
1: you've committed a high crime. It doesn't even have to be a crime.
2: Funny how that
1: works. If you just hurt people, that's enough. That's enough. Yeah, he's singing a different tune today for some odd reason, isn't he? As if these people don't understand how videotape actually works.
2: Well, they're banking on the fact that Fox News and their viewers won't care, are too craven or partisan or stupid to care.
1: Or ignorant because they won't have seen these arguments because Fox News is going away to commercials and going away to their primetime shows and lying about what is actually being said instead of actually showing it. So that was just some of the action on day two of the Democrats' opening arguments. The uh, beat goes on uh, tomorrow and over the weekend. We will continue to cover it, but we're going to uh, take a quick break here and come back with something, uh, once again, much lighter and frothy. That would be Desi Doyen and the Green (laughs) News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Oh, somebody please stop the world!
3: Please, <laughs> I <wanna get> off. <laughs> please.
1: Welcome back to the broadcast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, boy, we fill an hour, don't we?
2: Yeah, lots of stuff happening. So, yes, yeah,
1: just about. All right, let's take, uh, let's get to it. Our latest green news report on issues that matter, like climate change. We're more alike than we think.
2: Oil industry, yes, the oil industry, is rebranding itself as a leader in climate action, while the Trump DOJ works with big oil to block climate liability lawsuits. U.S. drinking water more widely contaminated than previously known, plus... Our house. ...is still on fire. A dose of climate reality for the elites at Davos from Greta Thunberg.
1: All of that reality and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman.
2: And I'm Desi Doyen.
1: Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. We had
3: record numbers come out very recently. Our numbers are very, very good. Our environmental numbers, our water numbers, our
1: our numbers on air are... Tremendous. What numbers are you talking about? What are environmental numbers? You're just making things up. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen. How are your environmental numbers?
2: (laughs) Well, to be honest, they're not that great. A new study finds that U.S. drinking water is widely contaminated with forever chemicals.
1: Well, that's not good numbers. No,
2: they're not. Those chemicals are known as PFAS for short. PFAS chemicals are used in many industrial and consumer applications like Teflon and Scotchgard. They don't break down in the environment, and they're linked to cancer, liver damage, and other very serious illnesses.
1: So is that the fantastic water numbers he's talking about?
2: God knows what he's talking about. <laughs> water tests conducted by the nonprofit profit Environmental Working Group around the country found that PFAS contamination in U.S. drinking water supplies is much worse than previously estimated with some of the highest levels found in Miami, Philadelphia and New Orleans. Yet, in early January, the Trump White House threatened to veto a bipartisan bill moving through Congress that would have cleaned up PFAS contamination in drinking water.
1: Well, though Those numbers don't sound good at all.
2: The oil industry has launched a million-dollar ad campaign attempting to rebrand itself as a leader in the fight against climate change. The new Energy for Progress PR push from the American Petroleum Institute, an industry trade group, portrays the oil industry as part of the solution in reducing greenhouse gas emissions (laughs)
1: and calls
2: for finding common ground.
1: How is petroleum the solution to climate change when petroleum is the cause of climate change. But on issues that matter, like climate change, we're more alike than we think. We want cleaner solutions, and that means working with each other.
2: The ads are intended to burnish the oil industry's image with voters.
1: Emphasis on burn.
2: Ahead of the November elections, as Democrats ramp up proposals to rapidly cut pollution and carbon emissions from fossil fuels that cause global warming. However, new internal emails show attorneys in the Trump Department of Justice Environmental Enforcement Division are coordinating efforts with the oil industry to block lawsuits from U.S. cities seeking damages from the industry for causing catastrophic climate change.
1: That's how they're working with us to combat climate change? Obtained in a public records
2: request by the Natural Resources Defense Council, DOJ lawyers sought to work with oil industry lawyers, quote... As a team,
1: because of course they did.
2: In international news, the United Nations Human Rights Committee, in a landmark decision, has ruled that refugees fleeing the immediate dangers of climate impacts, like rising sea levels and extreme weather disasters, cannot be forced by their adopted countries to return to their damaged homes. Finally, climate change was a central focus at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, this week. In a speech to the conference, President Donald Trump won. Once again, promoted U.S. fossil fuel exports, criticized climate science and activists as unrealistic prophets of doom and (laughs) praised himself for signing on to a reforestation initiative called A Trillion Trees. Swedish teen climate activist Greta Thunberg also spoke, dismissing Trump as only a teenage girl can, and in her speech called for the wealthy and corporate elites to immediately divest from fossil fuels, halt investments in fossil fuel extraction, and end all fossil fuel government subsidies, or else figure out how to explain themselves to their children. What will you tell your children was the reason to fail and leave them facing a climate chaos that you knowingly brought upon them, that it seemed so bad for the economy that we decided to resign the idea of securing future living conditions without even trying? Our house is still on fire. Your inaction is fueling the flames by the hour, and we are telling you to act as if you loved your children above all else. Thank you.
3: Mm -hmm. Ouch. For
1: much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planetwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. By the way, Steve Mnuchin, Treasury Secretary, he took a shot at uh, Greta Thunberg after she had uh, said that the world leaders should stop investing in fossil fuels. He said, uh, is she the chief economist? Who is she? I'm confused. So now he's attacking a 17 year old girl as well.
2: Yeah, telling her she has to go to college and get an economics degree before she can come out and come back and tell him what to do. Mm-hmm. And I would say, of course, he should go get a science degree so he can understand just how <laughs> much he does not love his own children yeah. because he is helping to ensure that they don't have a livable climate when they get older.
1: Well, you know what? He's got so many billions of dollars that I guess he figures they can uh, afford to mitigate it in the Mnuchin family for generations.
2: I got some news for him. That's not going to work.
1: Thank you very much, Desi Doyen, our producer. Thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is always appreciated uh, and a great honor. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Hey, while you're there, don't forget to stop by bradblog.com slash donate. We rely entirely on you to stay on your public airwaves. And Desi Doyen looks hungry. So that's (laughs) bradblog.com slash donate and we will buy her a sandwich. Uh, You can drop me an email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. You can find me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at TheBradBlog. We will see you there. Until we see you next time, I'm Brad Friedman, and I mean it. Good luck, world.